0: the sports pen on wednesday afternoon tanner hoops with you thanks for hanging out with us i'm tanner hoops and uh, that's john michael hopefully yep. sports director at abc 10 what's up my man
1: not much, not much. Feeling good, feeling good. Very, very busy, though. Very yeah. Busy. yeah, you know, softball, baseball season's in full swing in the UP. It's good to see some live action. I've, I've always been a baseball, softball guy. You know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's good, but very busy.
0: You've had a lot to keep you busy, plus your pro teams all seem to be in action at the same time. What are yeah. you going to watch tonight? You've got the Warriors and the Sharks. Game 5, and albeit maybe the most pivotal, Game 5 this season and the sharks playing for their lives in game 7.
1: Yeah, so you say it's a pivotal game 5 and then on the other hand you have a game 7 which mm-hmm. is the most pivotal game can get, right? You know, uh, I'm probably going to watch I'm probably going to watch the sharks because as I said, I've Warrior privilege. I never feel worried about the Warriors even though this is a very good series. It's just I don't feel worried. I know they're going to get it and I'm it's whatever. If it goes to game 7, sure, I'll be a little worried, but in general, I'm just like yeah, they're going to
0: get it. You shouldn't be worried about the Warriors. They're going to yeah. be fine. Yeah. They're going mean. to figure things out tonight. Yeah. They'll be fine.
1: They beat the Clippers in six, take some six games, whatever.
0: No, no reason to worry about the Warriors. No. All's going to be well with them.
1: I we are. Like you're trying to, I feel like you're trying to, what's it called? Uh, you know, reverse psychology me or something. Oh, no, something. I agree with you.
0: I think they're going to get by the Rockets. Okay, yeah. I don't think that they're going to struggle with them. I think they'll probably win in six, to be honest with that, you, because they'll the win tonight. The I think they can win the next two. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I tell you what, we are going to have the NHL, the NBA to break down over the course of the next hour, plus the NMU hockey team released their schedule. We'll get more into that tomorrow. Grant Petoni, head coach, is going to join me on the sports panel. We'll break down the schedule in depth then. But the MHSAA came out with some major rule changes this morning, plus... High school coaching vacancies are starting to open up, and we speculate and take a look deeper into that. But first, we'll start in the NHL. Last night, one of the best Game 7s we've seen in a long time as the Blues take down the Stars 2-1 to one in double overtime. They win that series four games to three. St. Louis native Patrick Maroon scores the winner, his second game winner, in overtime in this series alone.
1: It was a great game. It
0: was a great game. It was a it, lot it, of fun.
1: You know, you know what's crazy is because both teams seem like, well, okay. The Blues obviously deserved to win more than the Stars in that game. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they going into the second overtime, they were out shooting the Stars, what, 52-27? to 27?
0: Mm-hmm. Something
1: like that. So obviously they deserved to win more than the Stars. But at the same time, you were like, gosh, Ben Bishop is having such a good game that you wanted the Stars to win at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, when somebody has that great of a game and keeps their team in it so long... You kind of, you're kind of rooting for
0: them. Right. I mean, you knew it was a matter of time until St. Louis was going to win it. They had the shots on their side. They were dominating the Stars. But Ben Bishop was standing on his head doing everything to keep Dallas in that Great game. dancing in that goal. Could you imagine if Antti Niemi was still in net for Dallas like a few years ago?
1: I, you don't have to remind me about Antti Niemi. Man.
0: I remember him as a Penguin. And I can't get over it. He was a Penguin? He was a Penguin for a brief period of time.
1: I remember when Blackhawks, shark Stars, I did not know him.
0: When was he on the Panthers? He, he was He uh, was the year that they were going for the 3 Pete, so that would have been the beginning of last year. He was the backup goalie. Okay. And then they cut him, which was the right move because yes. he was really bad.
1: He was good for about two years.
0: Yeah, and not many good memories with Dallas. That was always their biggest weakness was their goaltending. They go out and they get Ben Bishop and they upgrade in a big way. They've got a good young core with Hens, with Hiskanen, and yet... Yeah, they still are maybe a piece away. The good news for them is they do get to keep their first-round draft pick in the 2020 draft since they didn't win that game last night. So if there's a silver lining, that would be it. But I feel for Ben Bishop because he had a 52-save performance. Unfortunately, his team can't solve Jordan Bennington, and it comes in a losing effort.
1: Yeah, well, they couldn't solve any sort of thing around the St. Louis defense. I mean, only, what was it, 30 total shots in the game?
0: For St. Louis? Yeah. yeah. Or, excuse uh, for me, for, for Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. yeah. St. Louis 30- outshot him 54-30. to
1: Yeah, 30 shots in four and a half periods? Mm-hmm. That's a joke. Yeah. That's a joke.
0: <laughs> you got to have better offense than that. They've got Sagan. They've got Ben. They've got some good young guys. Uh-huh. Radulov. They've got a lot of guys that can put the puck in the back in the net for whatever reason. They just didn't bring it to St. Louis last night.
1: No, they, they supplied no pressure. They didn't really have a good period until that first overtime period. And even in that first overtime period, they only, they only really got chances, not really shots. Mm-hmm. You know? And say what you will about the Sharks like not getting enough chances. They put pucks on net. Yep. Brent Burns is amazing at that. Vlasic does it. Carlson does it. Their D-line is very good at putting pucks on net which in turn allows guys like Carlson, Meyer, uh, Hurdle, Pavelski, Kutcher to tip it in. Mm-hmm. If you don't throw pucks in the net, nothing's going to happen. If you keep dumping it in and trying to set something up on offense, if people know what your play is, they're going to be able to stop it. So just throw pucks at the net.
0: Good things happen. Yeah. When you put the rubber on the net, you yeah. get a rebound. If that, I've always thought if the goalie doesn't corral your initial shot, you punish him. You make him pay. You slam that back in the net.
1: Imagine if who, who was it who shot the? Who shot it first, before Patrick Maroon snuck behind Bishop after that shot hit the post? Who shot the... Who was shot it Shen? My dimension? I think it was
0: Braden Shen.
1: Maybe. Well, imagine if Shen didn't take that shot, because mm. it was not a good angle shot. No. It was not a high-quality shot. But he threw it at the net and made something
0: out of good it. Good things happen when you do yeah. that.
1: Just throw the puck at the net.
0: You get the goalie out of position, you get his head on a swivel, make him work and get out of his little trapezoid then you've got, potentially, some open net in front of you. Yeah,
1: you crash the net, force rebounds, get open shots.
0: Tell you what, this is the first time that an NHL postseason has had three Game 7s go to overtime. Did you see Dean Blandino's tweet last night? No, I wasn't. Anymore. If you're an NFL fan, you know the name Dean Blandino, former head of NFL officiating. Sometimes he comes on as an analyst when there's a questionable call. They go to the booth to review. He had a tweet last night regarding the overtime setting. He said that the Stars... Here, let me pull it up here because I want to make sure I'm getting this right. His uh, his tweet said, the Blues just beat the Stars in sudden death double overtime to win the series. It would have been so much more exciting if the Stars got a chance to match the game-winning goal with the little eye-roll emoji. And I tell you what, there's a lot of people who aren't happy with the NFL overtime system, and I like Dean know, I think he's a smart guy who understands the game of football really well. But that's a terrible take. That is a freezing it, it, it's, it's cold, awful take. It's not the same. No. Fo-
1: football is very... Di- football, in one sense, is very different than any other sport. Because any other sport, scoring happens either relatively quickly or not enough. Mm-hmm. To the point where, oh, you can play an entire period and see who's leading at the end. Or it's just, boom, sudden death. Soccer, hockey, sudden death. Because scoring doesn't happen uh, often enough. Basketball. Scoring happens so often that you have to play a full quarter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, baseball, yeah, obviously you have to have a match because everybody needs the same amount of outs and at bats. Or uh, whereas football, yeah, I, one team is on offense, one team is on defense, and scoring happens, you know, just often enough and just not often enough to where should we allow people to have the same amount of mm-hmm. chances?
0: I think we should in the NFL. That's my opinion. Not everyone shares well, that.
1: I I. I I, I disagree. I mean, I, I thought so, too. I did an article on this right before I started at ABC10. So mm. I got here and I had a week to just like sort of do whatever. And I wrote an article because this was right after the Saints-Rams and the Chiefs-Patriots. And I found out that exactly 50% of all games that go into overtime in the NFL since the rule got changed, 50% of the time, the team that gets the ball first wins. Mm. Exactly 50% of the time. Mm. Five percent of the time it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a tie, and forty five percent of the time the team that gets the ball second wins. That's that's as fair as you can get. I feel like.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that a coin toss decides who wins because well, even in hockey, you say Dean Blandino then followed it up his tweet. He followed it up with another tweet that said. You know, what if the Blues win the face-off, they go down and score right away, and Dallas never has a chance to touch the puck? Isn't that the same thing as a coin toss deciding who gets the ball first in the NFL? No, because you have a chance to win the face-off. There is some player element there to decide who gets to have opening Mm -hmm. possession. You don't have that in the NFL with the coin toss. That's what I don't like about that.
1: Well, would you prefer the college rule, set?
0: I would prefer it to what they have now, yeah.
1: Well, okay, so... I I don't think the college rule is perfect, though. The college rule isn't perfect. No. 62% of the time, the team that gets the ball second wins. Mm-hmm. That's 62%. That's a huge advantage because it's like you know what's coming. How big of an advantage would be? Would it be in any sport if you knew, hey, we had to do exactly this. But they do that in baseball. Yeah, that is the case in baseball. But baseball is a little different than football. Y- right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that the NFL has it exactly right with what they have. When it was sudden death, the team that touched the ball first won something like an absurd 70% of the time. So they're like, all right, obviously we need to change this. Mm-hmm. Since the rule change, it's 50-50. Since the rule change, it is exactly 50-50. There have been 186 overtime games since 2012 when the rule changed. And exactly 93 times has the team that got the ball first won.
0: We could do a full segment on it, but we're running out of time. I don't want to get to the Sharks and the Avalanche before we hit the break. Game seven tonight, and apparently, as you said, that's what you're going to be watching. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling going into tonight's game seven?
1: I feel comfortable. Do you? Yeah. I'm not scared of the Avalanche.
0: <laughs> the Lanch.
1: I'm scared of one guy on the Avalanche Nathan Who's that? McKinnon.
0: Really? Yeah. Playoff uh, McKinnon, something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Other than McKinnon, I mean, obviously Landis Gogh had the huge goal. Yeah. But I don't know. They, they just don't, like, coming into this playoffs, there were three teams in the Western Conference that scared me as a Sharks fan. Mm-hmm. The Blues, the Preds, and the Knights. Mm-hmm. Two of them are already gone. Yep. Now we got the Avalanche, and yeah, the Avalanche have been hot, but the Sharks are a better team all in all. I think that Grubauer is better than Jones, but yep. in terms of offense and defense, personnel, and coaching, I think the Sharks have the upper edge on that. I would they agree have, with that. They have home ice advantage. So, if the Sharks can and... Pavelski might be back for the season. Yeah, this game, chance so.
0: that he can come back. Yeah.
1: How big would that be? It'd be huge. Yeah. Even
0: for a moral standpoint, just getting him on the bench.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I think a lot of things are pointing in the Sharks' direction. I think going into the conference finals against St. Louis would be tough. Yeah. But. They knocked um, him out a couple of years ago. Knocked him out. Yeah, but, the, like, I don't know. I have so many memories of just St. Louis dominating the Sharks in the regular now. season. So I'm not too fond of the blues <laughs> there there are a couple teams. it's like the Blues, Kings, Blackhawks. I just remember them constantly. Some just have your numbers, yeah. yeah, so I don't feel too confident about the blues.
0: Well, I tell you what power play. Pretty even on both sides. Both the Avalanche and the Sharks have similar power plays, although San Jose has a much better penalty kill. I don't know how much that's going to factor into tonight's matchup because in Game 6 you saw the defense rule. The two teams combined did not get to 50 shots. You saw defense rule. Even though they're pretty good offensive-minded defensemen on both sides, do you see something similar happen tonight or you think we're getting a little more offensive attack?
1: We're going to get a more offensive attack. I mean, the Sharks' defensemen, especially... I mean, all right, so the Sharks have six defensemen, right? Mm-hmm. Two of them are offensive-minded defensemen, Burns and Carlson. Yep. Then you have Vlasic. Like, the, the guys who are always on the penalty kill are usually Vlasic and Braun because they're the two most defensive-minded defensemen on the Sharks, and they're mm-hmm. very good at defense, which is why I like them so much. I mean, Vlasic will never make an all-star team ever. He doesn't put up the stats, too. But he's probably the best defenseman on the Sharks. Yep. So, I love that. But we're gonna, I'm going to expect to see more out of – Hurdle, because he hasn't really had a big impact on this series, like at least the later part of this series. He had a big impact in game four.
0: Something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that. But uh, I expect to see something out of Hurdle, uh, Couture, and on uh, on Colorado's end, Nathan McKinnon obviously is going to have a big deal. But I wouldn't expect to see much defense. I, I, all right, more shots, but maybe less goals, I expect to see.
0: I think that Makar is going to get another assist for Colorado because he seems to be racking those up lately. I'm going to make a call. I think Timo Meyer is going to be the difference for San Jose tonight. You
1: know what? He, he provides a lot of energy and momentum for the Sharks and provides a lot of good chances and makes it. And when I'm watching, I'm always like, gosh, the Sharks are dominating this game and Timo Meyer's right in the center of it. But I don't remember the last time I saw Timo Meyer's name on that assist or goal sheet. And it's just one of those things. He's a great player, but mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think he's going to score anything. Maybe get into a fight.
0: There you go. Yeah. yeah it could have something like do that. do something
1: extraordinary.
0: Yeah, and you've got Evander Kane.
1: Yeah, Kane's been kind of quiet.
0: Too. Yeah, but he can hit people. Yeah. It's kind of like the Ryan Reeves of the Sharks. <laughs> I,
1: here, he, yeah, here, here's a here's a hot take. Evander Kane will commit a penalty at some point <laughs> in this game.
0: <laughs> Freezing cold take. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, we owe you our first time out. When we come back, we break down the NBA. A couple of thumps last night, plus... Pivotal games this evening, next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and
1: local sports talk show, the Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Wednesday afternoon. A couple of games that ended up being blowouts in the NBA playoffs last night, beginning in the Eastern Conference. Toronto with a statement win on their home floor. They take down Philadelphia 125-89. They lead the series 3-2. Tell you what, I can't say I'm totally surprised that Toronto made a statement on their home floor. Maybe I didn't expect a 36-point butt-kicking, but Toronto clearly is a better team than Philadelphia.
1: Toronto uh, has a better coach, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and they have the best player on the floor, easily. Yeah, Kawhi. Leonard, no, no offense to Joel Embiid. He's a fantastic player, great rapper, whatever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Kawhi Leonard is just something. He always provides stuff. And then, of course, you got Kyle Lowry. And right. that, as I always say, it's a, it's a point guard league. You need somebody who can take the ball down the court. Kyle Lowry does that very, very well.
0: Well, I tell you what. I am totally on the Pascal Siakam bandwagon. I love Pascal Siakam, 25 points last night to lead Toronto Kawhi 21-13 and 13 to double-double as Toronto picks up their largest playoff victory in franchise history. Meanwhile, this was Philadelphia's worst playoff loss since 1982. Toronto outscored the Phils 37-17 in the second quarter. And I don't know what's going on with MB because some games he's amazing, some he's not. I know he's been dealing with the flu, yeah. but the flu bothers him some games and it doesn't others. That's why I don't understand.
1: He's no Michael Jordan. No, who plays better with the flu. Mm-hmm. But you can't compare somebody to Michael Jordan. That's No,
0: unfair. unless you're LeBron. Yeah, People yeah. do that all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean. Let's give Joel some credit. You don't have to be hot all the time. I mean, look at Clay Thompson. But the I way mean, this
0: team is built, you do. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you do. He needs to be their star all the time. But, I mean, I feel like Ben Simmons should be able to step up. Well, the, the, there was one game during this playoffs where Joel and Beat sat out because of the flu. Mm-hmm. It ended up being one of their biggest wins.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, who,
1: was this in the uh, in the Toronto series?
0: It might have been game one.
1: And it was. Yeah.
0: We might have to double-check that, but it might have been game one.
1: That's the thing. I constantly hear that, or I hear some people saying that the 76ers are a better team when Ben Simmons is the star and gets to lead the offense.
0: I think it's Jimmy Butler.
1: You think when Jimmy Butler gets to
0: lead the offense? Yep, 22 points for him last night and Bede with 13. Ben Simmons, I mean, when your primary ball handler cannot shoot from beyond the free-throw line, that's a problem. That's a team that's not going to contend for the finals.
1: for, For a while, Dwayne Wade was the same way, but the Heat were fine.
0: Yeah, but... They're not built the same way that the Heat are. They don't have Pat Riley pulling the strings. But I tell you what, there was actually a question, a debate at one point, which one the Sixers should re-sign in the offseason between Butler and Tobias Harris. Harris has been scoring, but he's not efficiently scoring.
1: Well, there is still a question, and it's just a matter of funds, I feel like, at that point. We obviously know who the better player is. Right. But it's a matter of if you want to be able to keep Embiid and Simmons, who are both on you know, smaller contracts than like mm-hmm. Butler, it's would you still be able to retain those two if you keep Butler and sign him to a massive contract? Because you know how Butler is. If he doesn't feel mm-hmm. like he's getting paid what, he, what he's owed or if he's not getting paid what he's worth, it might turn into something.
0: How much pressure is on Elton Brand right now? They're about to get knocked out of the series maybe in six games after he goes all in, brings in Harris and Butler, and now you're probably not going to be able to re-sign both of them, and you're going to come up arguably two games short of the conference finals.
1: I don't think he's under that much fire. No, I mean it's a step forward from last year. I feel it like. is. Yeah, I mean as long as you keep moving forward. Obviously, they didn't think the process was completed. Mm-hmm. I mean they thought LeBron was going to be the the finishing touch of the process, right? And Jimmy Butler is no LeBron. No, no. So they still need one more piece, and I feel like they think that they think even if they can't re-sign Jimmy Butler, just adding one more piece maybe. Kevin Durant, maybe. Mm. Or I think Klay Thompson would fit more in their system. Okay,
0: yeah. yeah. I could see it. I don't okay, want it to happen, but I could see it happening.
1: Word, word is Klay Thompson wants out of Golden State.
0: I wouldn't doubt it if he does. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I think that they would rather have Kevin Durant walk, but Klay yeah. Thompson? I wouldn't doubt it I if he does I would say leave. if
1: they were able to retain all three of their big three, which is Embiid, Simmons, and Butler, Klay mm. Thompson would be a supernatural fit. Mm-hmm it would flow so effortlessly cuz clay thompson's not anybody who's going to take away from media attention right um the the, the 76ers biggest problem right now is their three point shooting isn't up to par right and their defense mm-hmm. you have a guy who's a lockdown defender and a three point shooter just sitting there on the free agent market it's it's astronomical how how well clay thompson fits clay thompson is a guy who fits in almost every nba system
0: plus you can shop jj redick yeah yeah, it's true. Put him in Reddick's spot, he's an upgrade over him, and mm-hmm. Reddick's still valuable to somebody. Mm-hmm. See if you can get a nice return you piece probably, back from you
1: could him. You probably ship Reddick to the Rockets, because the Rockets love those <laughs> kind of
0: guys. <laughs> he working work in that system well, too. It'd be yeah. a good fit for him. But I tell you what, if I were the 76ers, if I were Brett Brown, I would stick Ben Simmons in the gym all by himself every day this summer, and not let him inside the arc, just make him put up like a thousand three pointers a day until he can finally hit them with some consistency? Like, I don't want to say there's going to be like shock therapy or something, but you've got to have some kind of incentive well, to was, make him
1: hit. What was that thing? Um, well, this is sort of relating the NHL to the NBA, but one of my favorite Sharks players of all time, mm-hmm. Jonathan Chichu, mm-hmm. a Rocky Richard Trophy winner in 2006, you know, the most unlikely Rocky Richard winner you'll ever see, ever. But he used to say that he would shoot... 500 pucks at the end of practice every day after everybody left the ice. Mm. I was always like, that's dedication. Somebody who wanted to get good at scoring goals, so he shoots 500 pucks every day. Ben Simmons needs to do something like that. He
0: has to. I mean, You have to in 2019. In this Mm -hmm. day and age in the NBA, you have to be able to shoot from beyond the free throw line. Yeah,
1: because what was coming in, Ben Simmons was like, oh, his athleticism. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He's been great athletically, but... That's not everything.
0: And he hasn't had a good postseason. He's no. had one good playoff game this year.
1: Uh, he was one, what was the game last year where he got one point? Right? Was that against was, Boston? I think it was against Boston. It was mm-hmm. in the playoffs, too. Mm-hmm. Like
0: You have to be better. As a yeah. starting point guard in the NBA, that's not acceptable.
1: Yeah, and especially as a guy who was heralded as oh, the, the savior of the franchise or mm-hmm. whatever. It's fine if you do great stuff in the regular season, but that's not where you're going to make your name. It's not where you're going to make your money. It's not where you're gonna live up to your number one overall rookie of the year. Sat out for a year, but we're still super hyped for him. Hype.
0: I don't think they will trade him, but what would be the best value they could get back for a point guard who can't shoot?
1: I I guarantee, if they had a team that shot more effectively from three, well, okay, Chris Paul. They have Chris Paul, but the Ro- if it, let's say the Rockets didn't have Chris Paul, mm-hmm. they would not be able to facilitate balls to open to open men outside the arc. Mm-hmm. So you would need somebody else who. Just is able to do that, and I'm not saying Ben Simmons is better than Chris Paul. He's not in terms of uh, in terms of court vision and defense. Ben Simmons is as good as Chris Paul. So Chris Paul doesn't even need to shoot in that system. Like yeah, it helps, and you know when they're guarding Harden Capella, like the ability for Chris Paul to just be able to maneuver and score. But uh, Ben Simmons is better inside, better at scoring mm-hmm. inside the paint, inside two point line, or inside the three point line. My, my bad. So. You put Ben Simmons on the Rockets, that's something spectacular. You put him on, what's another team that lives and dies? You put him on Milwaukee. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is not as good as Ben Simmons, in my opinion. Hmm. But uh, I, he'd fit better on the Rockets because, you know, when it, when it comes to Milwaukee, Milwaukee lives and dies by the three-pointer, too, but they, have, they already have a guy who can go inside and dominate inside the paint, and that's Giannis. So I don't really need another one of those guys.
0: I feel like Ben Simmons is not actually a point guard. He's just a glorified four that can handle the ball.
1: Yeah, well, that's fine, in my opinion.
0: Well, the the thing is, if he's going to play point guard, I agree with you that he can be a facilitator and he can be an effective one at that, but not for a team that's going to contend for a championship. Because if you are going to do that for a team that's going to contend for a championship, you can't be the primary point guard. Like Kyrie Irving right now. He's not shooting the ball well. He's being a facilitator. And he's a great player. He's doing a good job at facilitating, albeit he's not an effective scorer right now. Boston's not going to win the NBA Finals with him doing
1: that. Well, they're not going to win the NBA Finals, but they're still a good team.
0: They are a good team. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're. They're a good team, and I think that you know, I I think they'll win the game uh, tonight. Do
0: you? Yeah. You and Shaq are optimistic for the Celtics.
1: Oh, I think the Celtics they match up well with the Bucks, and it would just seem like a shame if they went down the (laughs) stairs.
0: Uh, we will preview that one here in a moment, but I want to get to the Nuggets and Blazers the other game from last night. Another blowout. It was close after the first quarter. It was a six-point game, even though Denver scored 31 in the opening frame. They take down the Blazers 124-98, and they grab a 3-2 series lead. I think this one is over. I think they go to Portland, and they win it in game six.
1: I agree. I think that the Denver Nuggets are just a better team in all aspects, other than point guard. Mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic is playing on an absolutely insane level. He's great.
0: 25 points, 19 boards last night. He was unstoppable. And then how about Paul Millsap reminding people he's still in the league? 24 points on 9 of 17 shooting.
1: Yeah, Paul Millsap was the guy who coming into the season, I was like, he's their biggest offseason acquisition. It's going to go by by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to give it any due credit, and it's going to pay dividends.
0: Yeah. And he's still got something to contribute. Yeah. Out of strictly guys at the 5 position alone, not necessarily big man, but 5. So probably not Giannis. I'd consider him a 4. Is Jokic the best five in the NBA right now? Right now? Yeah. 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 It's hard to argue against him.
1: The only people that come even close are, in my opinion, Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid.
0: I still think he's better than both of those two. Yeah,
1: I would say he's better than both of them. I would
0: consider Giannis a four, right? Would you? Well,
1: well, what about Anthony Davis?
0: That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, Anthony Davis would be the one. Yeah, that's a good one. He might be the only one that could challenge Jokic right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. But the Joker has the team around him to support him. He
0: does. Amazingly, with Jamal Murray, Will Barton. (laughs) He's got the team. I
1: love Mike Malone. And that's the question. Mm -hmm. Do you think Budenholzer and Malone wins as coach of the year this year?
0: I think they are the most deserving. If they don't, then something's wrong.
1: Prior to the season. So, you know, I think Budenholzer's been great. I think he deserves it a little more than Malone. But at the same time, I kind of want Malone to get it.
0: It was an emotional night for Malone last night. He lives in the neighborhood where the school shooting occurred out in Denver, and it was obviously tragic news. I know it was on the minds of a lot of those guys. They come out and have a fantastic game. I know that uh, the Avalanche, I'm sure there will be a recognition in San Jose tonight for uh, the tragedy that occurred yesterday. How about this with Enes Kanter, though, for the uh, Trailblazers? Started the season with the Knicks. He's from Turkey, and he's observing Ramadan. He announced that before the game, you know, because he's been fasting for Ramadan, he's been reaching out to Hakeem Elijahwan for tips on how to be a pro basketball player while still observing Ramadan. He says that his plan is to fill up on water. And that someone may bring him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the bench during the game. Hey, that's cheating. You can't do that. Can you eat on the bench? Is that legal? I don't know. Well, Like, I know with religious reasons, he might actually have a case it? for someone to let him do when it. When you're on the bench, you can straight you
1: can go out 15 feet on the court to celebrate one of your teammates' <laughs> dumps, so... I don't think there's anything you can't do on the bench.
0: <laughs> so that's what I'm going to be on the lookout for in Game 6. Will Enos canter be eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the bench?
1: People are going to be on that more than the Starbucks <laughs> cup in
0: Game of Thrones. <laughs> I tell you what, we owe you a timeout. I'm glad you brought that up because i got something to say about that in the next segment. Plus, we preview tonight's matchups, Bucks and Celtics, Rockets, Warriors, next in the Sports Fan on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk
1: show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app.
0: Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Just across the bottom of the hour, here's your Sports Center update. Last night, Mike Fires tossed his second career no hitter as the A's beat Cincinnati 2 0. Fires is the 35th pitcher to throw multiple no hitters in his career. He's just the eighth to do so on multiple teams. Boston Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy has been suspended for Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final for a hit to the head of Columbus's Josh Anderson in the conference semis. And finally, HBO has edited its most recent episode, which aired Sunday in the episode A Starbucks Coffee Cup is Clearly Visible in the Shot. How was that? You, I mean, did you notice it when you watched it? I know you're a big Game of Thrones fan.
1: I, I mean, I am. I'm becoming less of a Game of Thrones fan because... You know, they digitally removed the cup. Now mm-hmm. let's just digitally remove all of Seasons 7 and 8, and then I'll be really happy. Those sucked, man. So, yeah. Uh, it, it, I didn't notice it, and I don't think it was a big deal. Like, mistakes happen, mm-hmm. sure.
0: You think it was Amelia Clark's?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah? Look at her.
0: Some intern got fired for it? She no, blamed I, it on some intern? No, I
1: doubt an intern got I mean, think about it, though. It was a year and a half since the end of Season 7. Mm-hmm. You have a year and a half to edit that out, and you How did don't? nobody notice it? And, and you don't. <laughs> and, and, I mean, get, look, the, the episode came out Sunday. Mm. It took them two days to edit it out.
0: <laughs> two days! Some blogger most. noticed it Yeah. live on TV. Yeah.
1: So how do you not do that?
0: I tell you what. Uh, the Celtics and Bucks. Hopefully that's more watchable than the Game of Thrones I has been so, lately man. compared to Michael's opinion. Not a big fan of where the show's gone lately. No, not at all. I tell you what, it seems like shows are just getting lazier and lazier as they get hey, deeper. Like,
1: hey, some there's some shows. There's that, some. There's like some, The
0: Walking Dead?
1: Walking Dead, it's gotten better, I feel like. I think they, it's gotten lazier. It had a it had a lull. It had a real lull in the midseason, but it's mm. gotten better as of late, I feel like. Are they
0: still making episodes? I'm not caught up.
1: I'm not caught up either, but I'm I, like I,
0: five seasons. Seasons behind.
1: I'm not five seasons. Right. I mean, Breaking Bad was good all the way through. I never I, watched you know, Breaking Bad. Either. I loved the end of Lost. Okay.
0: Never seen Lost.
1: There, I mean, it gets a lot of flack, but Lost was a good show through and through, in my opinion.
0: Well, I tell you what, hopefully that the Bucs and Celtics are good TV tonight. Game five in Milwaukee, the Bucs with a chance to close it out. They lead the series three games to one. Tonight, the Celtics try to do something only 11 other teams have ever done, and that's come back from a 3-1 deficit in the NBA playoffs. The Celtics, however, have done it twice. Them and Houston are the only teams that do it multiple times. Still, though... I'm not optimistic.
1: I wouldn't be optimistic. I'm
0: not. I'm not even optimistic they win tonight. I'm glad to hear you are, and Shaq is. Mm-hmm. Charles Barkley is not optimistic for the Celtics. He thinks Milwaukee's going to close it out tonight and then win the finals. I've got to say, I well, think Milwaukee is going to close it out tonight.
1: Frankly, it's just I don't think Milwaukee would have won that game had George Hill not gone off when Middleton and Giannis mm-hmm. got the foul trouble. And I would doubt that if the same thing happened tonight, it would be the same outcome. Mm-hmm. I doubt a guy like George Hill, like Brooke Lopez, would be able to carry, or, and like Pat Connaughton would be able to carry the team offensively once again. So, it, it, I just feel like you know they're up three one. Maybe rest Giannis and Middleton a little bit, and Boston's going to get out to an early first quarter, w- one and a half quarters lead, and
0: and blow it. At, they know, always do. Think,
1: you think they're going to blow it? That
0: eh. I don't know they always get out to good leads. They've won every fourth quarter this series, and. They're 1-3. and three. Well, it's
1: because they've been, it's because they've been behind. Uh, but here, I think they'll be ahead going. I mean, they were ahead at the end of the first half two nights ago. Right. But it just wasn't the same because in the third, that's when George Hill took over. So I think, you know, it's not going to be the same sort of effort from George Hill. You know, they'll be ahead at the end of three. Maybe Giannis will come back. And maybe this is the first time that Boston doesn't win a fourth quarter. But they'll still win the game.
0: Tell you what, if anyone's going to beat Boston, I'm glad it's Pat Connaughton. I like the way he stepped up. He's kind of taken on that role for Malcolm Brogdon. I like Connaughton, though. What kind of role does Brogdon have when he comes back? Does he fit seamlessly right back into no. his role?
1: No, he doesn't. No? No, I think, in fact, there's a couple games where he maybe doesn't have any role. Mm. He just sort of comes in when <laughs> there's, you know, you're know, you resting on your other guys. Mm-hmm. Because Brogden has to has to figure out where he fits into the well, not Brogdon, but Budenholzer needs to figure out where... right. He, because you have something that's been working so well, you're seven and one in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So,
0: like, are they a better team without him?
1: Are they? No, I doubt it. It,
0: it. He was so efficient during the regular season, but they've looked really. I mean, Boston's not a bad team. Detroit, you know, they were under five hundred now that they've ended the season, but Boston's a good team. And they've handled him pretty well, and I give a ton of credit to Budenholzer. He's just flat-out out, out coached Brad Stevens in this series. Stevens has taken a step backwards since last year, I mean, let's me let be honest. But Brogdon, it's going to take a little time, I feel like, for him once he gets back. He's not going to be the immediate impact player right away. You know, It's going to take him a little time to get back into the rotation.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel about it. Brogdon's one of those guys. Nobody remembers that he won Rookie of the Year in, 20, uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, he's very efficient and he works well in that system. But
0: they're not as effective, which no. is weird. I don't know what to expect. It's out like tonight.
1: Demarcus Cousins. You, you, all, like you look at Demarcus Cousins. Everywhere he's been, he's been amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But he never wins because when he's on the floor, his teams just don't do as well, which is weird.
0: Unless and, he joins the Warriors.
1: No, even still, I think the Warriors are hot take a better team with Bogut. And or the Hampton Five, which is the Big Four. I think there's Indiana an Dollar. argument to be
0: made there. Yeah, I do because Bogut's one of the best ball screeners. All that team needs is the slightest bit of space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I don't know what happens if Cousins is able to get back in time for the finals. He's trying to. He's trying to work his way back.
1: It's the same sort of. It's the same problem mm-hmm. where you don't know. It's the same. It's the Brogdon problem. The Brogdon. What's the word? Fallacy, mm-hmm. shall we say? Mm where you have a player who's better than most other players on your team, but you just don't seem to do as well. So do you play him or do you not?
0: Tell you what, here's a two-part question for you. Is tonight, or whenever the Celtics lose this series, will it be Kyrie Irving's last game in a Celtics uniform? Yes. And part two, are his teammates going to help him pack? Because I'm starting to get the feeling his team doesn't want him there.
1: Yes. I I would agree with both of those assessments, because Mm -hmm. his team doesn't want him there which only furthers Kyrie Irving's reason to leave. Boston better pay him. I doubt Boston wants him to stay, like in terms of the front office, because his teammates don't like him. But if they do want him to stay, they're going to have to pay him just a ton. Mm-hmm. Just a ton. But I, I I think that you know New York traded Porzingis to open the door for guys like Durant and Irving. So I doubt they'll be able to match whatever New York puts out.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, I don't know if he's going to want to go to New York because they'll probably win a max of 26 games. Him alone, they get maybe Duran or Zion, maybe.
1: The reason he wanted to leave Cleveland was because he wanted to be the superstar, right?
0: Well, he is that in Boston, but wouldn't it be a step down just to be a superstar with less talent around him in New York? Yeah, but... Like, the only reason he would want to go to New York would be the money.
1: Well, and also it's New York. That's a national-level market. That's a global-level market. Mm -hmm. That's New York, Madison Square Garden. That's a reason.
0: I tell you what, if there is any sort of optimism for the Celtics tonight, hoping that Kyrie can get back to being efficient Kyrie like we saw in Game 1, here is the stat of the day. Kyrie in elimination games throughout his career is averaging 32.1 points per game. That is third best all-time in NBA history. So Kyrie against elimination has been good. I don't know if that's going to translate to tonight... But you're going to see a really desperate Celtics I team. I, I
1: just don't feel it in this series. No. Like, straight up, when Kyrie makes promises, usually they go through to fruition. But after game two, he was like, oh, yeah, you guys aren't going to see a single 8 for 22 performance again. Mm-hmm. What happens? Go 7 for 22, two games from then. So it just doesn't feel like... Anything's really going Boston's way in this series.
0: Well, you, you get the Kyrie to Giannis comparisons. Like, someone actually thinks the there's a debate between those I don't, two. I don't get the
1: comparison. I'm a Celtics fan,
0: and Giannis is clearly better well, than Kyrie. Giannis
1: is, not only, is clearly better, but they're such different players,
0: too. It's like Dean Blandino's tweet comparing NHL overtime to the NFL. Yeah. It's, it's not apples and oranges. I mean, it's apples and pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it's like when Colin Cowherd compared Dwayne Wade to Klay Thompson saying, oh, they're the same, just Klay Thompson's a little taller and can shoot better. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: no, they're completely
1: <laughs> opposite players.
0: Well, I tell you what, Kyrie might not be the only one whose teammates want him to leave. I'm starting to get the feeling that Warrior teammates want Kevin Durant to leave. Do you think Steph Curry likes playing with KD? I don't think he does, based on his body language.
1: Well, what have you seen with his body language? Have
0: you seen, like, when they know what the play is going to be and Durant starts bringing the ball up the floor, Steph doesn't hustle up the way He walks. He knows he's not going to get the ball, and he knows that if he gives the ball away, he's not getting it back. I don't think he likes playing with KD.
1: Well, looking at Steph, I mean, he's taken a step back ever since KD joined the Warriors, so I Mm -hmm. think he's all right with not getting the ball back. I mean, that's the whole point of having three guys who can shoot, plus Draymond Green, is... You don't have to be the one to consistently have the ball. So, I mean, obviously any superstar wants to have the ball in their hands, but I think that Curry is all right with not having the ball in his hands, more so than most other NBA superstars.
0: Are they a better team when Curry is their top option, yes. not Durant? Yeah.
1: Yes. I, I mean, I've talked about this on the show before, right? Mm-hmm. They've lost three games ever since Durant joined the Warriors. They've lost three games where Curry was playing but KD wasn't. Mm-hmm. They have a better win percentage... When They have a better win percentage when uh, when it's just KD by himself, no Curry, obviously. I mean, you have both of them, sure. Mm-hmm. But the Warriors are over 150 points better in terms of win percentage when it's just Curry and not KD. Wow.
0: Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah. You can make the case Bo gets more valuable to the Warriors than Durant right no, now. No,
1: no, no. I wouldn't say that, but the people saying, oh, Katie's the best player in the world right now. That might be true, mm-hmm. but... With a guy like Curry, who's a threat as soon as he walks across the logo, to have him carry the ball up the court throughout most of the season would just make so much of a difference than, oh, having Draymond or KD. As soon as he touches it, you have to be like, okay, is he going to shoot? Is he going to shoot? Is he going to shoot? We have to press up on him at all times. Whereas KD, it's like, okay, we can back off. Hey, let's set up our defense. What are you doing back there? Okay, you're all right, you're all right. All right, KD just stepped up. All right, let's defend now. Whereas Curry, it's like, let's step up. Let's step up. He's going to shoot right away. hmm Yeah. I mean, everything. All when Curry's playing and not KD. And, I don't have that, the numbers in front that, of me, that, but that I is, believe it. That is, that is not saying anything. I, I tweeted about it uh, mm-hmm. a while ago. But that is not a knock on KD. He's a great player, and surely he's helped the Warriors because I don't think Curry's as good in the playoffs. Maybe the pressure doesn't suit him as well. KD's been phenomenal in the playoffs for the past two years. We were robbed of Curry's greatness when KD joined the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be good to see that again when, I mean, there's there's a rumor that, uh, you know, only one Clay or KD is going to leave. I'd much rather KD leave.
0: Yeah. A lot uh, of Warriors fans would. Yeah. I don't know if Warriors fans even like KD all that I, I much. I like,
1: obviously I like KD, mm. like, there are a lot of scoring weapons on the Warriors and that helps a lot.
0: But there are a lot of Warrior fans that are upset that he's taken the spotlight away from Curry.
1: I wouldn't say I'm upset about that. Not but
0: you, but a lot of Warrior fans. I,
1: okay. I mean, I could see that. It's fine. I mean, as long as they're winning, it's fine, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, despite the lack of chemistry, they're still good enough. They're probably going to win this year's NBA Finals.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as you win the Finals, what can you be upset about, right?
0: Did they win tonight against Houston at home? Yep. They bounce back after two straight losses on the road. Splash Bros need to be better.
1: They need to be better. They do.
0: And they will be. I mean, they're not going to go 8-for-33 from behind the arc again. That's
1: the whole thing is, you know, would Curry be better if he got... Would It's... Without KD, they wouldn't be winning this series, right? That's uh, from, from, really? from, from from well from the looks of it. Because I don't know. Just just from a statistical standpoint, I mean, just look at the stats. You're like, oh, KD is scoring th- over thirty points a game. Right, him. right. But
0: he takes that away from Steph and Clay. I think they would make up for it. Yeah, him. but people are saying that, or some people
1: are saying mm-hmm. that without KD, oh, Steph and Clay just haven't been efficient. So even without KD, even if they got picked up the slack, it wouldn't translate because KD's been so efficient. But I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Well, I tell you what, we owe you our last time out. When we come back, we've had some big news at the high school level, some coaching vacancies, plus breaking news regarding playoff format coming out of Lansing this morning. Bring it down next on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the
0: ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. John Michael Hofling in studio with us. Thanks for hanging out with us in your Wednesday afternoon. If you missed any part of the show, check it out on demand. Get the free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just search ESPN-UP. Things have been wild at the high school level around the UP as of late. Three boys' basketball coaching vacancies as of this week. Jake Pulfis resigns at Carney Nadeau. Then both the Ishpeming schools. Ishpeming High School, Anthony Katona resigned Monday, Chad Hewitt at Westwood also resigning his position. So there's some open spots here if you're looking to get into high school (laughs) basketball. I'm guessing there's probably a few candidates of schools have in mind anyway. Chad Hewitt at Westwood, you know, I've gotten to know him for a while. I consider myself a Westwood insider. I got to tell you, I'm not shocked that this happened to be honest with you it does make sense his son graduated he wants to see his games at uh michigan tech he's got a full-time job outside of the school i'm sure that keeps him busy uh from talking with westwood administration i have no doubt that this was nothing related to performance or anything outside this was just simply he has other obligations he's you know put in a lot of time he's been a coach in the system for 15 years uh, the varsity coach for the last five. So, I, you know, I'm going to miss Chad. He was a good guy. You know, he's, he's a heck of a guy. Uh, but, you know, I do understand why this happened, and I'm looking forward to see who his replacement will be. They're hoping to have him in place by the end of the school year.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it makes sense. Who do you think the replacement is going to be? I have no idea yet. No clue? A lot of speculation. You're a Westwood
0: insider. I'd consider myself an insider, but nothing that we can go public with yet.
1: Okay okay, so now so you Google so I'm kind of like
0: Westwood's Woe, which I like to consider myself you,
1: you're just you're just playing by ear right but now. I
0: make sure that I respect my sources and I don't try to spoil anything before the time is right a man of integrity no? i like to I consider myself that yeah yeah. yeah. The Ishpeming job, I was a little bit more surprised with. Uh, Anthony Katona announced his resignment on Monday night. You know, and Ishpeming struggled the last couple of years. I did think that he's a young coach. I still do. I think he's a young coach with a lot of potential. Uh, there's, some, there's a learning curve, and I think he needed a few more years uh, to really come into his own. I think he can definitely coach again. I don't know if it's going to be at Ishpeming or where, but I think he has a lot of basketball knowledge. He was a great player himself back in the day. I'm not sure who Ishpeming is going to get to replace him, but I tell you what, it's been a tough off-season coaching-wise for Ishpeming High School. They've got to replace a legendary football coach, and now mm-hmm. the basketball job is open.
1: Yeah, a lot of spots open. Yeah. I wonder if it's anything about, because he's young and has a great basketball mind, maybe he's like, maybe I can get a job somewhere else.
0: I mean, it could be. I I don't know what the situation was. I know they did struggle this year. I don't pin a lot of that on him. I know they lost some practice time uh, with the extended football season, but you know, I know he won't make excuses for himself and what have you. I do think he's a smart coach and he'll get another chance, maybe not at Ishpeming, but he'll get a chance somewhere else. I was a little bit more surprised by this one, though. I'm going to be excited to see who they uh, end up getting to replace him. They're going to try and have that, I'm sure, before the end of the school year. Rumor has it that we're about 12 days away from the announcement of the Hematite's new football coach. Wow. First time in 20-something years that there will be a new head football coach at Ishpeming.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they remember how to do it.
0: (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a long time.
1: I I never got to meet Jeff Olson, which Mm -hmm. I feel kind of cheated on (laughs) because I came right at the end of football season or a couple of weeks after the end of football season. But like, The one thing is I've talked to a lot of the football coaches around the UP and I don't even have to bring them up. Mm-hmm. i will just be like, you know, Jeff laid a really nice foundation for us, and it's been, you know, incredible to see him work, and watching him leave is going to be tough. And I'm just like, he's not only got the respect of everybody because of his football knowledge, but he just apparently is a great guy. And with what he's been through, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal to see him come out on top like he's done
0: time and time again. I've heard so many comparisons to him as the Billichek of the UP, partly because of his success, partly because his coaching tree expands so yeah. so far around the UP. Scott Sergil at Westwood, Dion Brown at Gwynn. He's touched a lot of guys' lives, and I haven't heard a bad word about him.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You you don't hear anything bad. Nobody is, and obviously you know you gotta you gotta respect him a little bit because he's been around so long and stuff. But I think nobody truly, nobody in the UP actually dislikes him as a coach and a man
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's just phenomenal to see yeah
0: everyone respects him I think more as a man than a coach but pretty highly in both aspects yeah exactly Well I tell you what we had breaking news from Lansing earlier today and this is something that's been a long time coming the basketball playoff format has been changed and that's something that people have wanted here for a long time. Maybe it's not the way that we all want it to be. It's a partial seating system that's going to be implemented for the district basketball tournament starting this school year. There was a lot of complaints about it was a completely blind draw. You could have the two best teams playing in the first round like we had in the girls district basketball tournament with Westwood playing Nagani. They had to play in the first round. That is going to be changed so that The top two teams in each district are going to be put on opposite sides of the bracket, so the only way they meet would be in the district final. They're going to base this off of a point system, somewhat of a strength, of schedule, a power ranking almost, to determine the top two. The other four spots will all be blind draw, but... It's a step in the right direction. I would have liked to have seen the whole thing seated, but at least it's a step in the right direction.
1: Well, it's a step in the right direction, but I think, as you said, strength of schedule, that those three words bother me because I think that's going to hurt UP schools. Yeah. I I think so. Hmm. I mean, take take a look. The thing is happening in Lansing. That's what they know. They're used to seeing a lot of lower peninsula schools, whatever, or lower Michigan schools. So... Now it's like, all right, well, we have to put this UP team in, this UP team. Like, who would, I, I don't think a single person thought St. Ignis was going to be as good as they were, right? Mm-hmm. A single person in the Lower Peninsula, at least. Like, but everybody here knew how good they were. and was Right. Like, they, they had a pretty good chance. So, you take a look at, you take a look at the seating system, and it's like, all right, well, Saint Ignis beat all these teams in the UP. It's like, pfft, forget about that. They don't, they don't see them enough to really judge them, mm-hmm. I feel like, and that's going to hurt them.
0: Well, I tell you what, a lot of these districts here in the UP, especially in Divisions 2 through 4, most of the districts will be comprised of only UP teams, so I don't know how much it affects them. But for Marquette playing in Division 1, that certainly could be a factor as far as Marquette getting one of the top two seeds. And obviously they have an established basketball program that's been good for a long time, both in girls and boys. But district seeding, as far as taking strength of schedule into account and making a power ranking out of it, that's tough when you don't get the strength of schedule maybe or at least the opportunities for strength of schedule yeah. as teams in the LP.
1: Yeah, because you know, they're not as co- it's in the, There's the not school a school
0: of-, of their size up here.
1: Yeah, it's it's just not a thing. I mean, how far does Marquette have to travel to play Traverse City?
0: Right, or they got to go down to Green Bay. Yeah, to get a school about their size.
1: Yeah, it's tough and it's in in a sense it's not fair in some in some points. That being said, I mean, I think Marquette has the tools to consistently keep moving forward and get back every single year and eventually they'll catch on but in terms of the first couple of years it's just going to be like what the heck man
0: well i tell you what another change and this one maybe is flying into the radar at least compared to the basketball seating system but football starting in the 2020 school year will no longer require you to win six games to make the playoffs, which. I think it's a good move. I like that.
1: I think it's a good move, too. I do.
0: Yeah. They're going to go on a point system. Again, this is where strength of schedule will come into factor. And, again, that will be tougher for bigger schools like Marquette. It will a little bit more than basketball, though, because districts are a lot more spread out where you might very well have two UP teams and two LP teams in the same district, even at, like, the Division Six level.
1: Well, so, the, the one thing about the football thing, it's going to be pretty much the same, I feel like. Because, you know, you're not going to win six games, so you don't have to play as many games. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's the difference? It's just going to be like, it's, it, the teams are going to play tougher competition, I feel like, but p- maybe play less games. Maybe put less games on their schedule because it's like, oh, you know, we don't have to win as many games, so let's just see where we are, where we match up with these great teams. And it's just going to lead to the same sort of seeding, same, the same teams that would have made it had it been six games to m- make to the playoffs.
0: And it's especially important with the formation of the Westpac Football Conference a few years ago because we saw significantly less Upper Peninsula teams make the football playoffs this year as compared to recent years, and a lot of that is because the Westpac has a statement that says you can only play teams within the Westpac. There are no non-conference games. They're in two different divisions, so there are two games that you play in the other division. Uh, They have a big school division, small school, so you play the seven other teams in your division and then two from the other division to make your nine-game schedule. So you have a lot of these Westpac teams that are good enough to get to six wins beating up on each other and they don't necessarily get to six wins because of that. I think this benefits Westpac schools quite a bit because they're not beating up on each other.
1: I mean it reminds me of the Pac-12 a couple of years ago mm-hmm. in that sense where you had a bunch of good teams that would just consistently beat up on each other who weren't on the same level as, say, Alabama or Clemson or uh, LSU in that regard, but they were good enough to possibly make the playoffs, but they just beat up on each other Mm -hmm. and ended up being costly for them. And that's one thing I like about high school football is they don't look at just strictly record, or at least now they're not going to. It's going to be who'd you play, how'd you compete, where should you stand?
0: Well, it gives you incentive for how you schedule as well, because even if you get some powerhouse on your schedule, you get percentage points. They call them playoff points for having a, quote, good loss. And that's a direct quote from the MHSAA. They give you percentage points for a good loss. That's,
1: a, that's great. That's yeah. a great move in the right direction. It
0: is. It enhances strength of schedule. It encourages teams to schedule tougher.
1: Yeah, it, I, I love that, because mm-hmm. you want to you test your things. You want to test your kids. You want to test your ability to see where you would compete with the best of the best, right? What else is there you can ask for?
0: Right, right. You know, they're doing the right thing going this route. If
1: you want to win six games, why not just let's find six out of our league in terms of we are going to crush them schools. Mm -hmm. If If you're you're a
0: school the size of Marquette, let's just go get schools the size of, like, I don't know, Water's (laughs) Meat. Something like that. So this is good. It is a good move, and I think this is a step in the right direction. Again, this doesn't, it gives you the chance to schedule for that. You know, it's not going to happen this season. A lot of schedules are already in place, but for 2020, this is an absolutely good move. It encourages enhancing your strength of schedule because, you know, even if you play a team that's mammothly good, it still can go down as a good loss. So I like this move out of the MHSAA. I think they got a lot of things right, and I give them credit for listening to the coaches, listening to the fans, the talking heads. And they took a lot of those needs and consideration, and they did the right thing with
1: it. Isn't it great when people listen to and Finally, yeah. yes.
0: They actually decided to take our wants and needs into consideration.
1: And they were like, maybe these people have the right mindset.
0: Tell you what, we are out of time as always. Appreciate you tuning in. Hour goes by fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Anything that you want to plug over at ABC10?
1: Nothing I got to plug right now. I mean, keep watching. I always love making the Michaels Monday minutes and enjoy doing those. If you if you enjoy them too, just let me know what you think I should talk about. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. So, yeah, email me, michael at abc10up.com, and just let me know.
0: That is it for us in the sports pen. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.